Welcome to this week's Cedars podcast, where we have our long-awaited The Last of Us discussion full of spoilers, enthusing about the different actors, especially for Ellie and Joel, talking about some of our favorite plot lines like David and some of our the plot lines we have more problems with, like the Henry and Sam storyline, and talking about our thoughts for season two, how they set up Ellie, and how this show breaks the video game curse. Hello and welcome to the Cedars Arts and Entertainment Podcast, where we talk about arts and entertainment from the perspective of Christian college students. I'm Janie Walenda. I'm Samuel Acosta. And I'm Ben Konich. And today we are doing the long-awaited The Last of Us podcast. Woo! A fair warning and an apologies to our editor in advance. This is our maybe fourth or fifth time starting this podcast. We are very slap happy today (laughs) and we're only going to get even more so. Because this show is awesome. And it's my hyper fixation since I've been 14. Well, The Last of Us has been, not the show, because the show just came out. Well, I've been hyper fixated for... (laughs) 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 I've been hyper fixated for longer, actually. Oh yeah, when did you play it? Yeah, 2000 and... It came out in what, 2003? 13. 13. So I think it was 2013. Dang it. You did beat me. Maybe like 14. I saw it I saw it in 15. Bro. <laughs> yeah, well, you know what? Get on my yeah. level. I've been a fan since 2023. Okay, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, Last of Us has been spectacular and we want to sit down and talk a little bit about it um as a season, as a piece of television, but also as an adaptation of a video game that I think a lot of people regard as one of like the pinnacles of video game storytelling. So, mm-hmm. like, did that translate, for the most part, into TV? Yeah. I think 90% of the time, the show adapts the game well. Mm-hmm. I think 90% of the time it does. It. I mean, again, this is one of the, as you were saying, and I would go as far as to say, not even one of the greatest stories in all of video games. I would just think it's one of the greatest stories. I'm with you there. Um, I, that, yeah. I absolutely love this story, and I've been waiting for a movie or a show mm-hmm. or something to come out. I remember in, oh my gosh, 2017 or 18 when Logan yes. came out. Yes. And Logan is very reminiscent of this storyline. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, this is giving me like the taste of The Last of Us mm-hmm. movie I've always wanted. So now to actually have The Last of Us TV show that I like have been waiting for since 2013, I- it was great. I remember when the casting was announced and everyone was mad that it wasn't Hugh Jackman. However, now that we have the show, See, I'm very glad it wasn't Hugh I Jackman. I was mildly annoyed for like 30 seconds until I saw someone do like a CG markup, mock-up of like what Pedro Pascal could look like. And then I was like, oh my word. Because it's one of those casting decisions that like, I don't think anyone fan casted because it wasn't the obvious choice. But the mm-hmm. moment we see the words, it's like, oh, oh, how do we not see this? Mm-hmm. And that actually takes me into like, I think one of my favorite parts of The Last of Us show was the acting. The mm-hmm. casting and the acting was top tier for me. And I know Pedro Pascal has been kind of unanimously praised. Okay. I know the point of contention for a lot of people has been Ellie. Mm-hmm. Um, I personally thought Bella Ramsey was perfect as an Ellie. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, a little bit in this situation of like how Solo was for me. I know a lot of people watching Solo didn't like Alden Einrich as Han Solo. But for me, it was a case of like he captured the mannerisms and the character and like just the whole energy of the character while maybe not looking as much of like the previous version and i thought you know bella ramsey didn't look as much like the game's version of ellie as pedro pascal did as joel but like she had the spirit of that character 
Yeah, I totally agree. I I remember when the list came out, and I was super not happy mm-hmm. about her getting cast because uh, she does look nothing like the character, and so I was like, oh, fine, like whatever. I think it was by the time episode two rolled around, I was like, okay, mm-hmm. I'm sold. She she may not look like it, but she's got Ellie down. Also, a warning to our listeners, this is definitely going to talk about major spoilers for The Last oh, of Us yeah. and potentially for The Last of Us Season 2 if we get to talking about yeah. like what's coming next. So just a warning there. For me, I would agree it was around Episode 2 where I was like, this is good. But the point where I went from, this is great, she's really good as LA 2 I can't see anyone else in this role, was Episode 8 for me. Mm. Seeing the switch in her character in Episode 8 and the way she processed everything the way just the nonverbal acting, just the fear and like the desperation that she conveyed in those final scenes with David. Yeah. Like that was my one of my favorite parts of the game. Like that was the turning point in the game. And that, I was like, they need to get that right. And they did. <laughs> that is, and this is kind of going to be moving on a little bit, but there are, I mean, the whole game is art, mm-hmm. but there are milestone moments mm. in that game that the show had to nail. There was... I think the beginning, obviously the whole mm-hmm. beginning section, which I think they did a great job with. Perfect. Uh, the David section was another big milestone that I think they nailed. Mm-hmm. The ending, that the way the whole show ends with mm-hmm. her making him swear that he's telling the truth, that's a huge milestone. For most of it, I think most of the milestones, they hit it on the head. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The one milestone that I was not happy with, and I really don't even know how they would have done it differently, was Henry and Sam. I agree. Because Henry and Sam, in my opinion, was like one of the biggest shocks Mm -hmm. of the entire game. And the way they handled that section of the story just felt so... It felt like they weren't satisfied with what they had. Mm -hmm. And they were trying to do more and they ended up neglecting what they had. I agree. I forget the actress's name who played Kathleen. Do you... Oh, uh, Melanie Linsky? Yes. She did really good in that character. And also, I forget his name, but... um, He did the voice of Tommy. The guy who did the voice of Tommy, who was the the second in command. They were great in those roles. Mm -hmm. But for me personally, that whole switch from... I mean, changing it from Pittsburgh to... Was it Kansas Kansas City? City. Yeah, that's arbitrary. But changing the whole idea being from this is a city that's completely been overtaken by just raiders who have old Fedra equipment and are just living in anarchy to this weird like revolutionary revenge story. I felt like while they all did really good in those roles and they gave their all in acting it, I thought their existence just kind of took away from Sam and Henry. Mm-hmm. Like the simplicity of it was just, they're supposed to mirror Ellie and Joel in the way that they're both just coming through the city. They're both just trying to get out. They have no ties to anything going on. In fact, in in the games... Sam and Henry are part of a larger group that gets ambushed by the same people that ambush Joel and Ellie. And while Joel and Ellie are able to escape pretty unscathed, Sam and Henry's like entire group is probably killed. And yeah. so they're trying to just get out of the city. And so it's this idea that like these two people who have nothing in common really, no like common goals or background, come together with this mutual desperation for survival and this mutual love to protect someone younger than them. And I felt like the whole kansas city revolutionary arc while really important in the sense of like building some context for the fireflies and fedra just kind of took away from that Mm -hmm. the what makes it so impactful is they the game so delicately builds the relationship between Mm -hmm. henry and sam 
in a way that you I think we only saw the good aspects of their relationship but I will I will always remember the part of the game where Sam wants the toy mm-hmm. the toy robot and uh, Henry won't let him have it because they don't take more than they need and like Ellie steals it for Sam and it's like this whole thing but like seeing I think we only saw like good big brother mm-hmm. instead of like the bad big brother that's really mm-hmm. like he doesn't know what he's doing. Like he loves Sam more than anything, but he really doesn't know what he's doing, which is supposed, I feel like was supposed to contrast Joel who, while he doesn't know what he's doing, he has been in that position mm-hmm. before of taking care of someone. So he has more of a clue what's going on. I would agree. Um, and I think the actor that they got to play Henry solid. Oh yeah. The actor they got to play Sam was really good too. Mm-hmm. And I love the inclusion of him being mm-hmm. deaf and how naturally I did that too. they I, did it in a perfect way mm-hmm. where it fit very naturally in and it mm-hmm. like you can see where the character could have been written in any you know could have been written with mm-hmm. hearing could have been written without hearing and it, I just thought it was really it, cool. It was a really I natural piece of inclusion. Yeah. Yeah, I really did love that. My issue with Sam wasn't the fact that they changed it to have him be deaf because I thought that was a really interesting take and like. We hadn't seen that in any of the games before, like someone with like hearing impairment, like how would that mm-hmm. work in this world? My issue was that they made him younger. Mm. They made him, or at least the actor felt a lot younger. And so some of that dynamic between Ellie was a little different. And that dynamic between him and Henry was a lot different because Sam was a lot closer to a teenager in yeah. the game. And so he had he had a very obvious crush on Ellie and was trying to mm-hmm. like have this sense of braveness and at the very least like he was a little more equal to henry Mm -hmm. in the sense that you saw some of those clashing moments where henry's like no we're not doing it this way and sam's like but why can't we whereas in the show like you said it was very much just the all the good aspects of this relationship Mm -hmm. Uh, when it comes down to it like i would say for that like i would say for the jackson section or really a lot of the parts in in the show that i wasn't as huge of a fan of while I had nitpicks and while I had things that I wish they did better, they at least still got the story mm-hmm. and the theme through. I agree. And like, while it may have at some points been like a watered down adaptation in key moments, it was still an adaptation and it still followed the story and the themes and the character development. They didn't try to change things about Joel and Ellie. They didn't try to change things about how it turned out. It was very faithful. If it I was. can bring it back to like the David episode, because mm. one that's just one of the best episodes of the show. I agree. It, it really is. I, just, I, I would favorite. say it's the best episode. I think it's the biggest reaction I had, I think. Well, not biggest, because I think I definitely, there were moments where I cried. I don't mm. think I cried in the episode. I cried in a few other episodes a lot more. But for me, it was one, the episode that I knew the least about the story going in, because it's hard to, especially when you're me and you spend a lot of your time on the internet. And I know when I was younger, I had read through the Wikipedia article summary so as i and it was a long time ago so i didn't remember it off the top of my head but then as i saw spoilers so like i knew about tess's death Mm -hmm. going into episode two i knew about the ending the broad strokes of the ending and i knew about that but episode eight and everything with david was like the one thing i knew the least about partially thanks to ben gaslighting me into thinking the cannibalism stuff was in season two i definitely did do that yeah because he was trying to Keep she, it all a surprise. She already had enough spoilers. So I was I like, this one, enough. I can, I I can fix this one. But even just beyond, just for me, it was special because I didn't know what was going to happen mm-hmm. as much. It was also just like, it was the one episode that like haunted me a little bit afterwards, mm-hmm. more than any of the others. The ending mm-hmm. is closer, but I just remember that maybe it's because we were on break. And so I kind of had more time mm-hmm. to sit in it rather than like, oh, well, I go to bed now because I got a 9 a.m. tomorrow. But it was, I think that's probably the best 
episode, like standalone episode, mm-hmm. possibly out of the show. I don't know if you guys would agree or disagree. No, with that, I but think that's the best episode. I would agree, and I would say that actually, my ish, my some of my issues with the Henry and Sam arc are made worse by the David arc because it was the David the David section was so well adapted and so well done. But the whole point in the game was you're supposed to see earlier on how messed up people are. That's the whole point of Pittsburgh. It's this mm-hmm. city that's completely taken by these just savages. Mm-hmm. And you get to David and you think you see maybe someone who's better. But then you see the whole point of that is he's just another one of these savages just wearing a sheep's clothing. Mm-hmm. And you need to have the first piece to get to David. Mm-hmm. And while the sh- show did so good with David, I can't help but think like, those themes would have been so much better if they did a more faithful adaptation for Henry and Sam. Yeah. The other thing about David episode is I know it fixed a lot of problems because literally the night before we watched this episode, you and I had a longer conversation Mm -hmm. about your problems with the show that they didn't fix the next day in the show with Joel and their betrayal of Joel and kind of the violence and the lack of action that had been over on the Mm -hmm. show, which I know is still a problem in general with the show. Mm -hmm. wasn't a problem in David's episode because the episode was great. But what are you guys kind of thoughts on that as compared to the game and all of that? I felt like this was a budget issue, not mm-hmm. even a story issue. The amount of action in this series is not up to par which with what I think the show should have had. I agree. It felt like they were like hoarding their budget. Mm-hmm. Uh, the example I was I was giving is we were talking about how there is when the action happened it was very good, but it felt like bite-sized. I used mm-hmm. the I was thinking of like when you're in a Costco and you go get samples, it's like it's enough that you're like, "Mm, this is really good," but it's not like a lot. It's a sample. Mm-hmm. And it's that's what I felt like g- walking through the show is I was getting little samples of something that was really really good, but I wanted more. Like mm-hmm. the the Kansas City in the game, he's taken on like a whole almost army of people. Mm-hmm. In the show, he takes on, like, really two, and then he kind of fights a third. And it's great when he does it, but Joel is supposed to be this force of nature mm-hmm. that, like, nothing can stop him through, like, whatever he wants to do, which we kind of get at the end, but it's not in an action sequence. It's much more cinematic. Mm-hmm. I think what I wanted, and if they had done this one thing differently, I think it would have changed everything. The very first episode with, uh, what's his name? The smuggler who stole their guns. I forget his name, but Robert? Robert. Yeah. yeah. They changed the Robert storyline mm-hmm. to where he's already dead when they find him. Yep. In the games, they torture that man. And then they just shoot him. And then they just shoot him in cold blood. If they had added that, I think it would have changed everything. I would agree. Because that's the moment where you go from, because also it's like right after the time skip and you're like, you see him at the beginning and then you see him 20 years later, and that's the big moment where you go, oh, my word, what happened to this man? Mm-hmm. This man's traumatized. And I would say, well, I understand that like a, sh- a show that's like this, that's like a drama, they needed to cut back on some of the action, and they needed to tone it down to some believable senses. So mm-hmm. I get that. I didn't expect constant gunfire throughout the entire show. Mm-hmm. But there were definitely moments where it showed where it needed at least a little bit. The example I like to use was, I think it was episode six... I think it was where they get to the um, university mm-hmm. and yeah. in the game, he fights through like multiple, like five to 10 different like raiders to try to get out of that. In the show, he's taken out by the first one. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying they need to have five to 10 guys because they want to keep it more believable, but at least have him take down like two or three of them. It's in such a way that they, they take away some of the action 
in a way that doesn't just affect the show, it affects his character. Because like you said... He doesn't seem like the force of nature. And I didn't get to see that until episode eight when Ellie's gone and he goes, okay, because like you said to Tommy, he's woken up and he's lost something. He doesn't want to lose it again. But the problem is 20 years of surviving has changed him. And we don't really see... We see that he's competent. We see that he's capable. But we don't see that he's violent. Mm -hmm. And that's a key part of Joel's character. And while they eventually get there... It took a lot longer, and I feel like it also kind of affected some of how the show played out. I will say, and this is kind of leading into talking about the future of this show, Mm. something they did very well is setting up Ellie for the next season. Oh my goodness. I agree. Because of her in David's episode. Yeah. Mm. And just the conversation, I think they added to the dialogue a little bit. I'm not Mm -hmm. sure, but I think they added to the dialogue where, because David, the whole point is David's trying to compare himself to Ellie and get like a sense of relation, like we're the same person. But then he makes a small comment about how like she has a violent heart, mm-hmm. which I don't know if that was in the first game. It was I, not. Okay. Because in the first game compared to the second game in terms of like Ellie's character arc, arc is so completely different. And Ellie becomes such a different person that it was a little jarring mm-hmm. when playing the second game. Obviously, you got used to it. But I think just that little mm. bit right now in season one is going to make season two make a whole lot more sense once Ellie becomes completely unhinged. I agree. They've laid the foundation for showing that while she's not like Joel yet, she has the potential to turn into him. Mm-hmm. And like if she makes the same wrong decisions that he does, and I think that's the whole poetry of Joel and Ellie's story is Joel loses something and becomes a person he's never wanted to. And so he saves this girl the second time so he doesn't have to be that person again. Mm-hmm. But in the process, enables himself to be taken away and to turn someone else that it's- he cares about into that same thing. Yeah. And I think, spoilers for Last of Us 2, if they faithfully adapt the story... It's all a story of violence and vengeance. And seeing, like you said, those the small changes of showing more capacity for violence in Ellie streamlines that. But I think it also allows the contrast to exist so much more as Joel learns throughout this story to open up and in the space between Last of Us 1 and 2 learns to be a different person, to be a better person. Mm-hmm. I think like the whole message of Last of Us 2 that Ellie learns to let go of this violence before it consumes her it's joel's final gift to her it's his final lesson Mm -hmm. to not end up the same place he ended up and i think some of the twists that they've made for joel well i wish it could have been done differently for action's sake in the show i think some of those ideas and themes they've introduced of him like the whole parts of tommy of like not wanting to go back to this dark place but having been there now and having been there again I think it will also streamline that side of the story too, of him learning to change and also to, I think, become at peace with what he's been dealt. Yeah. I think, because they've already said they're breaking the next game up into a couple seasons. Which I'm very happy for. Which is going to be good, depending on how they structure it. I I want the season two finale. I don't know how it works with the structure, because I know this happens early in the game, but can you imagine the reaction if the season two finale is Mm -hmm. them going golfing? They're not... They can't, they I don't do think that. they're yeah. going to do that. I don't think but it would be why. <laughs> it, they have two choices. Bounce back and forth between Abby and Ellie, or season two is Ellie, and season three is Abby. Mm. And both of those are bold. Yes. 
the fact that they're making it is bold. It is. With how and they're they're saying they're not gonna change much, that they're doubling down on everything they decided, which is gonna be risky. And they've also confirmed that they're going to add a lot more action, which is good because mm-hmm. while Last of Us One worked as a drama with less action, although I we all agree that it was dummied down at points because of it, there's no way that Last of Us Two can exist without action. violence. Yeah. They need it to be brutal. They need and that was the other thing. I feel like the show for the season one kind of shied away from some of the brutality like a lot of camera cuts or a lot of off-screen deaths mm-hmm. and last of us 2 needs to be so visceral in your face that you're shocked at the depravity of this world and then you're shocked again at the depravity of this character that we love so much being capable for this because you watch your hero become a villain pretty much mm-hmm. in front of your eyes which is a great piece of storytelling but there's a delicate balance mm-hmm. with delivering that and I think they're going to be able to do it because of the success this show has been. Mm-hmm. I should have checked the streaming numbers before we started this, but to my remembrance, and it's hard because it's a week to week. And Nielsen is Nielsen is like ranks all the streaming numbers of all the various platforms, and it's hard because they're always multiple weeks behind. So we might not even have the numbers for the finale yet. And it also aired on HBO. Yeah, and that's the other problem yeah. is because. HBO Max and HBO are different viewership. And so on the Nielsen numbers, it's just HBO Max numbers. So that's hurt shows like House of Dragon, Succession, and The Last of Us. However, to my knowledge, The Last of Us has been at the top of the chart Mm -hmm. consistently, even with the split numbers. So they have the viewership. They have the strong review. So I think they're going to have the creative freedom to Mm -hmm. be more brutal. And they're definitely going to have a bigger budget as well, I believe. Uh, had the second largest debut mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. outside the U.S. The Last of Us is now the most watched show in the history of HBO in both Europe and Latin America. 8.2 million. It Viewership was soaring it after was. each episode. I think oh, yeah. by the time they were done, the viewership grew like 75%, mm-hmm. which is crazy because normally you normally lose, you lose. View- viewership. For a lot of like the Disney plus Marvel Star Wars shows recently ex- especially the pattern is like if you're lucky mm-hmm. you debut in the top 10 and then you drop off and if you get lucky you get back in there later and that happens for a lot mm-hmm. of shows for the last of us to be growing consistently week from week is incredibly strong because i think when it came down to it like we had uncharted earlier uncharted was i <laughs> it was not great it wasn't a great uncharted adaptation it was an all right movie it, it was, was an it all was right solid. movie it was but, fun it was but, a great but, airplane but, movie guys i'm telling you yeah. but when but, it came down to it the last of us had the expectation of the entire gaming community and the world mm-hmm. to break the quote-unquote curse of video game adaptations. People were like, okay, it's The Last of Us. They better not mess it up. And I think a lot of people were feeling apprehensive about its success and its possibility. And it had this really impossible task and it proved it. Despite being watered down sometimes, despite having narrative tweaks that some of us didn't like, it was solid and it showed the story. And they did what they could with the budget they had. And I think now they've proven... To both the world and HBO that like give them more money and it's gonna give a lot more results. And the watering down might have helped a little bit with mm-hmm. that. Like this is something I would be pretty comfortable showing my like seventeen year old brother. Some things, like if it had been a lot more brutal and violent, mm-hmm. I might not have, because he's not a big zombie fan. Yeah. I meant watering but, down more in the sense of just yeah. taking away some of the action, even no. if it wasn't at like more brutal action, just action yeah. in general. But I think now that they have a broad because this clearly has mainstream appeal, even though it's a like a more brutal, violent, mm-hmm. there's language, you know, even though it's more in that R-rated type territory, mm-hmm. it has the broad mainstream appeal and audience now to where they can go even darker in the second season and still keep that audience. Mm-hmm. And I think to kind of wrap us up, like what you were mentioning, the curse of video games, The Last of Us broke that curse. Because <laughs> I'm like <laughs> even just thinking this year, 
we've had three like game slash video game adaptations: mm-hmm. The Last of Us, D and D, Super uh, Mario, and all of them have slapped. But they're like, all very different types of games. That's are, an interesting conversation because you have yeah. The Last of Us, which is story based. You have D and D, which was always going to be tricky because that's something you, the players, create the story of. Yeah. And so that was so for that to be a good video game ad well not video game adaptation, yeah, yeah. it was going to have to be a, more about capturing the feel of playing it and what mm-hmm. those stories usually look like. And then with Super Mario, oh, yeah. there is story. Yeah. But that's a very mm-hmm. different type of story based game. But to have all three of them, like, good. Mm-hmm. like twenty twenty three is the year that I think will look back on starting with The Last of Us and be like the curse is broken because The Last of Us set the tone for okay it can be done we see that it can be done to adapt a game well to where you make you bring in new fans but you also keep your current fan base happy and I think that was what was so important was in previous years a lot of a stigma around gaming was gaming wasn't storytelling. It was things to keep people entertained. Mm-hmm. And so people in Hollywood would come in and here's a big important game. A lot of people buy it. We're going to make it in a movie. But we're going to make it better. We're going to change this. We're going to change that. We can do better with it. Whereas I think now as a lot of that stigma has gone away and now video games are being respected as a medium of art and an actual medium of storytelling that rivals Hollywood or that rivals television – a lot of people now, I think, are looking at it with more respect. Mm-hmm. And granted, for The Last of Us, Neil Druckmann being involved, the game's mm-hmm. creator, was very important. But you had people like Craig Mazin, the showrunner, who created art with Chernobyl, mm-hmm. but was like, I respect this story as a story. And so now I think that that curse has been shattered, not just in showing successful stories, but I think in helping show people that like these stories can stand as their own. Mm-hmm. If it worked in a game it'll work in a movie or a show and you don't have to change it. You don't have to ruin it. You don't have to make it different because these stories appealed to millions of players and there's a reason for that. Mm -hmm. So I think we can all agree the show slapped. The show slapped. Yeah. That's amazing. Uh, And I'm excited to see what season two is going to look like. Oh, I can't wait. I'm very excited. I'm very sad this is probably going to happen after after our time at Cedarville. I think think they said it's going to, they're aiming for 24. Oh, let's go. And that was also the only thing that could possibly make 2023 a better year for video game adaptations would be if Arcane Season 2 dropped I would in agree. the fall. I, would I don't think it's that. going to, but... It's it's yeah. looking bright for it's video game adaptations. Video it really it's is. It's looking so good. And The Last of Us has started started that path. So. Oh, yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us uh, for our rant about The Last of Us. We've been waiting a long time <laughs> months, for this one. Months. Literal months. Literal months to do this one. So we're glad that you could join us, and we hope that you have a great rest of your day. I'm Janie Walinda, and I've been told that Seattle is beautiful this time of year. My name is Samuel Acosta, and I can't wait to go golfing. <laughs> and I'm Ben Konich, and I sob like a baby every time I see Sarah die. <laughs> <laughs>